what one thing that just really fascinates me is highly successful and talented people. So when you were talking about Geraldine Laybourne, what is something that, you know, kind of stood out to you about her personality or about her character, or just her in general? I'm always curious to see what the difference is between a person like that, that is very highly successful, very motivated, and then you know, your average Joe. I think Geraldine, well, one, her background was in education. And so she approached children and people around her with a level of respect and just calm composure, right? Like she, and, you know, by extension, also her family, they're just the most humble people in the world. And I think that that says a lot about her is that Mm -hmm. many times she is the smartest, most brilliant person in the room but she never makes anybody feel less than that, right? Right, yeah. And, and I think that that is one reason that people love her so much. You know, like when people talked about her, they didn't call her like Geraldine, right? Like they're like Jerry, yeah. right? People spoke <laughs> with her as if she was like Yoda, right? Yeah. Because she was, I don't know, she was just so kind and she always made you feel so appreciated, even in the short amount of time that we got to be around her. I mean, they threw mm-hmm. a party for us at the Documentary yeah. premiere, right? And there's no reason for, for anyone to do that, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. that, that was my answer. I think that a, a great leader is somebody that never makes themselves, makes it, never feels the need to make it clear that they're the leader. Yeah, that, I totally agree with that. She was very humble and very, she had a soothing presence about her that almost seemed like she was using the force. You know, when you're in her presence, you're just like, okay. Because we were nervous, you know, because we'd been making this documentary about her. I hope you like it. You know, it's about your work. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, you dig yeah. it. And then also the fact that on top of that, it's like she's good at TV and film. <laughs> you know, we're making a film. So it's about you and you're way better at this than I am. So hopefully you're not like, this is crap. And so she was, yeah, just very cool. And from what we saw, that's what I would say is just how humble she was. But also she didn't need to make herself seem smart or powerful she just exuded it and then from the work that she did you can look at how she didn't micromanage people she she hired people to do a good job and then let them just do a good job that's what they all said you know everybody said that you know she found me you know that's what these creators would say she found me and hired me and then just let me make the show that i wanted to do (laughs) you know and and you can see the people that she assembled all went on to be huge people So clearly she had an eye for talent. You know, Ann Sweeney was kind of her second in command there at Nickelodeon. And originally Ann Sweeney started out as like a receptionist. And Geraldine Laybourne saw the potential in her. Ann Sweeney went on to be the president of the Disney Channel. And now is high up at Netflix. Huge power player in Hollywood. You know, Graham Yost, Lisa Malamed, they were all writers that all went on to be huge Hollywood heavy hitters. She just had an eye for it. Brian Robbins, who's now the president of Nickelodeon, was hired by her back in the day to work on all that, you know, so she knew how to find good people and she knew how to treat them too. I think that's awesome. It's a testament to, to true leaders. It's something that I've seen before the president of the client's company, very soothing as well. And so I think as soon as you said that, like, he's the first person that came to mind. As soon as you said, it, I was like, wow, I was like, they, they really do have that. And then to note with the whole leader topic there, and I'm going to nerd out here. Any man who must uh, say, I am the king is no true king, Mr. Lannister from Game of Thrones. I think it just pairs up exactly perfect with what you're saying there. (laughs) I know. I just nerded out. Sorry, guys. No. no. That was her to a T. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, well, in Game of Thrones, like we, you know, Scott and I love that also. I mean, yeah, yeah. I You can nerd out all you want around us. Thanks. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't do it around me. But yeah, oh. like, like Adam kind of mentioned too, you know, she was also successful just because of her background as a teacher. She looked at kids as people, go figure, instead of numbers. I think a lot of people, especially at the time, were like, what are kids into? Are kids into, what are they into this week? Are they into army men or are they into uh, robots? What's the big thing? And everyone was just looking at numbers and she was like, kids are not numbers. You have to actually try to understand it. And that's what she did. And that's why we're all sitting here talking about it all these years later because she understood us. Absolutely. That is pretty cool. Brian, let's you talk, have a question? Yeah. Let's talk about the controversial aspect of, of Nickelodeon where it, it was pushing boundaries and it was, kind of not just doing the leave it to beaver type stuff can y'all meditate on how that kind of lines up with the the trajectory of comedy and you know you can go back to monty python and, and trying to get more going against the grain of proper society and then you know same same time frame you got the simpsons pushing back on that south park family guy can y'all kind of place nickelodeon in that that timeline that evolution of taste yeah like especially with their animation you know they were part of a zeitgeist that was going on that wasn't just nickelodeon but they were certainly at the forefront of it you know i was kind of in that age where i was going back and forth between nickelodeon and mtv whenever the nicktoons came out and it beavis and butthead and liquid television over on mtv and then all the nicktoons it all felt like it was part of this same movement and like you said the simpsons and you can certainly see that these shows like rick and morty and then also like kids programming, like Steven Universe, they all owe a lot to the Nicktoons. You can trace it back. I think that the Nicktoons in particular, they brought something back that had been missing in animation for a long time. You know, animation back in the old days of Looney Tunes was an art form and it was funny and it was kind of subversive for the time. And that had been gone. And, and, and I, I feel like animation had gotten really stale and formulaic. And they were the ones that kind of brought back the artistic side, the, the actual craft of animation, of, of, of squishing and stretching, and then also being really funny and being more about the creator and, and being a form of art as opposed to being uh, just a glorified commercial. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that it was also cutting edge and very dangerous whenever you talk about the content. Even though we didn't understand all of the humor, we knew that there was something that we were getting away with watching it, right? And I think that they were lucky in a way that they were on cable versus being on Fox, right? Because, you know, with The Simpsons, you know, obviously was a phenomenon. People lost their minds over that, right? And that came out, what, like 1980? It was a little bit earlier than 89, right? Because there was a Tracy Ullman show, but it really started getting big in like the 89 and I think like the early 90s. And so I think that in a way, the Simpsons kind of were the first through the wall, right? And you always hear that saying, it's like the first through the wall always gets the bloodiest. Well, you don't always hear that saying, I heard it once, um, but, but I remember it. I think the Simpsons took that kind of on the chin. And then there were other shows that were really obviously, you know, for lack of a better term, just drawing outside the line. Ren and Stimpy, you watch that now, mm -hmm. it's, it's no different than Rick and Morty. It's no different mm -hmm. than... Um, it was disgusting, honestly. Was, oh, yeah, it was. It was, but, but you <laughs> loved it, though, or maybe you didn't yeah. love it, but I, I remember... No, no, yeah, but yeah. It, it's somehow yeah. you appreciated the disgust factor of it. Absolutely. Right, right. He had like the gar like the jar, his the jar of like his like nose goblins or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then like whenever Powdered Toast Man, whenever the Pope grabs, clings tenaciously on his buttocks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's how kids are, you know? Like they knew how to go. They went right up to the line, but they never crossed it. You know, and that's how kids are. Like if a kid makes a fart joke, they think that's the funniest thing in the world or like a poop joke or a pee joke. They think that's hilarious, but yeah, it's, it's not going, funny. it's still funny. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> but they never, they never crossed the boundary. I don't think they ever did anything like super inappropriate, but they just, they, they understood kids. That's what kids want to do. They want to push the boundary as far as they can without getting in trouble. And that's what they gave them. And a fun factoid is that uh, whenever The Simpsons first appeared on Tracy Ullman, it was Klasky Chupo that, that they handled the animation and they went on to do Rugrats. So really? the people at Nickelodeon were responsible for The Simpsons, yeah. The Klasky Chupo, who later on would create a bunch of shows, not just Rugrats, but they create a bunch of shows for Nickelodeon. They were the ones that produced that, that The Simpsons shorts on The Tracy Ullman Show. Wow. So, yeah. Segway, segway question here, since we're talking about, you know, animation and everything favorite and this one, you can absolutely say which one your favorite is. I don't think anyone will get too upset, but give me your top two favorites. Then we won't, we won't go direct top two favorite. Top two favorites like that are featured in our doc or that are just like anywhere from, uh, from Nickelodeon from back in the day. How about this? I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll broaden out your favorite Nickelodeon one. So I'll make it hard. And then you're anywhere else in the world. Oh, you wow. okay i like Trey, that i like that you've raised the level of complexity of that question so high <laughs> wow you can follow along you can do it just barely though god one dang. Nick, i don't want to answer not. that question uh, you know on nickelodeon i really loved rocco's modern life that was one of my favorite yeah. cartoons the original three nicktoons all premiered on the same day and i was it was like a big deal because nickelodeon up until that point they had played other people's cartoons you know, like Inspector Gadget and Danger Mouse and even the Looney Tunes, they were playing those shows. And then they were like, let's make our own. So they, they were making their own cartoons and all three of those dropped on the same day. Like that's insane. And it was Doug, Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy all on the same day. They, all three that went on to be huge classics. They dropped them all. And then Rocco is kind of, they say it's like, you know, like D'Artagnan of the Three Musketeers. He's like the fourth honorary fourth musketeer, you know, Rocco didn't premiere with those original three, but it's kind of lumped in with those. And I feel like they kind of took the best out of all of the original three. Like it definitely is, has that irreverent, naughty attitude that Ren and Stimpy has for sure. You know, you yeah. get, there's, like, there's like a doctor called Dr. Bendova and there's like the choky chicken. That's like the restaurant they go to. There's a lot of like subversive humor in there, but there's a lot of heart in there. And the animation is like really cool. You know, it's got some cutting edge stylistic animation that would be my favorite one from back in the day and i would say an honorary one would be invader zim which we don't get to cover in the in the orange years because it it's a little bit later but i love joan and vasquez who did invader zim and he's another person where his first comic book i read when i was like a cool teenager college kid you know and it was called johnny the homicidal maniac (laughs) and that's what the comic was called johnny the homicidal maniac and it's about this weird dude and the fact that nickelodeon was like yeah, let's give that guy a cartoon. It's crazy. You know, like that guy that made a, a comic book about a homicidal maniac, I think shows how open they are. And they, they saw that this guy knew what was up. And a lot of people thought he wouldn't be able to transition to a kid's show. And he did. Invader Zim is awesome. Those are mine too. Adam? For Nickelodeon, you know, I haven't gone back and watched a lot of the animated, uh, the, the animation uh, when it comes to the cartoons. I, I did 
think that all real monsters got mm -hmm. the short end of the stick. I'm a big fan of of all real monsters. Um, I saw someone it was uh, for Halloween a couple of years ago. I think was it Crumb? A girl came in and was dressed like that, and I was just like, I I, I don't know if you'll win the costume contest tonight, but you win like the costume contest in my heart. <laughs> because I was like, who does that? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, who totally. dresses like that? Like, you'll see Quellman sometimes from Doug. I also yeah. love Doug a lot. Doug, like, was such a sweet show. And, yeah, I, I think it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful show. Gosh, that's so hard to pick a favorite one outside of that that universe. I do love the new, like, the most recent Clone Wars. I thought that that was mm. incredible, especially the last four episodes, which you know, whenever you see Darth Maul fight Ahsoka and you, you see almost like what else was going on mm -hmm. whenever Anakin was turning, right, to the dark side. And I thought that was amazing. So I'm like firmly, firmly, I'm a, I'm a Dave Filoni stan. And I'm just like, please just give him everything in Star Wars. Yeah. Let him and John Favreau, like, just take over everything because that's the way to do it. So those would be my two answers. Brian, any comments on, uh, on that there? Yeah, I would just want to comment that Doug introduced me to the angst and anxiety of the most awkward social situations ever. I could never get through an episode and not feel a dread mm. in my stomach. So you're saying oh, no, it's no, almost no. like a it's almost like a precursor to like the office like cringe humor <laughs> kind of. Yeah, exactly. It's like Doug, oh jeez. You know, one but, thing that Doug gets a bad rap a lot because it wasn't subversive at all. Like yeah. all the other ones, Ren and Stimpy certainly was, Rocco certainly was, and Rugrats kind of was too. And yeah. Doug was just very awesome because it made it different. And it gave kids that were going through kind of like a rough time mm -hmm. uh, something to look. Hey, dude's kind of the same way where it was just a sweet show. But it was cool because it gave kids like something, maybe if you're dealing with something kind of crappy in your real life, like a place to go to that was, you know, kids were treating each other uh, correctly. They were treating each other well. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. I thought Doug was really earnest. That's what I loved yeah. about that. So, was, you know, they didn't have to go very far to find the reality and like, you know, I mean, the of the situations is yeah. so not everybody can be the Budnick. Not everybody can be, you know, any of the members of the Midnight Society. Those are people yeah. we aspire to be. But there were definitely times in my life where I was probably more like Doug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I was just like, hey, I'm just kind of somewhere in the middle. And just trying uh, to get by. Right, right. You know what I mean? And you have a crush on the really sweet girl, but you don't know how to talk to her because, you know, you're just growing up. And I thought that that was just, I think that there definitely are places for like edgy cartoons. And I love those too. I mean, like one of my favorite yeah. of all time is like the adaptation of, of Berserk, right? Like, I can't, you know what I mean? Nice like, drop there, man. Yeah. Thanks. I didn't, I, I didn't already tell what, what points these guys are going to be like. <gasps> <gasps> what do you right, say? But, Shut up, Irvin. <laughs> but, but, you know, but the reality is, is that there needs to be a place. And I think that there are any critics which may be justified of the film. It may be that there's not a ton of conflict in the orange years, right? Like there are people that may be looking like, I want to know the sensational stuff. I want to know who yeah. was fighting behind the scenes. And we're like, right. that's not what this is at all. If you're looking for that, like we had no interest in showing any of that. Like because exploiting people, Amanda by all the stuff she went through. That's not what it's about. So yeah, I always say, hey, man, TMZ is free. So, you know, check it out yeah, Exactly. <laughs> if you want that kind of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of people appreciated that. We had a lot of the yeah. people from Nickelodeon that said that in between whenever we were filming or whenever we were setting up for a different shot. They were like, hey, thanks. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. 
yeah, thank you for being cool. You know what I mean? The, the, the conflict in our film is them being against the world that was so different. Right. You know, that's the conflict was natural. We didn't have to go into all the like, who was sleeping with who behind the scenes, who was, you know, coming in on drugs and stuff like that. Uh, because the conflict is this is like the little engine that could, you know, this is this weird company that everyone said, yet yeah, was failing. You know, when Geraldine Laybourne took it over, it was failing. It was on its way out. And she took it and took it a totally different trajectory. And every step of the way, people said, you're going to ruin this. And she just kept doing what she knew in her heart was right. So there is conflict, but it's maybe not the like TMZ kind of conflict that this isn't Tiger King. You know what I mean? And, and I know a lot of people like that. And that's great. I, I thought Tiger King was was fun too, but that's just not what this is. So like the shows like Doug, we're, we're just talking about, it's kind of like a palate cleanser. And so, you know, the, the different things that were going on or the different things that were on the air at the time, you know, your, your Simpsons, your Ren and Stimpy's and things like that. It was, it was nice to kind of be able to put yourself in Doug's shoes and relate to him. I mean, yeah, you didn't have a green best friend, but you know, you could relate to him on a lot of different levels. The way that I think you guys have gone about this documentary is a palate cleanser. This is... We've got so much strife in the world right now, right? You know, the number one of the number one shows of 2020 is Tiger King, and it's just trash television. Entertaining, but trash television. It's nice to have, you know, something coming down the pipe that's like, hey, remember this really great time? And let us tell you how they did it. You know, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, that's That's exactly, that's what we wanted to do because, you know, like when we all get together, like we're doing right now, we, we could talk forever about these shows. You know, when you bring up Hey Dudes, Salute Your Shorts, Rocco's Modern Life, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Pete and Pete, you can see people kind of perk up and go, oh yeah, I remember that, you know? Versus there are other things on other channels that it's like, oh yeah, I remember that, that was cool, you know? But when you talk about those Nickelodeon shows, it just, you can tell something deep inside people. They're like, whoa, oh, I love that show so much. And we wanted to look at why is that, you know, because it really, as a kid, it felt like somebody threw something at the wall and it stuck, you know, it's all random, you know, but we wanted to show the incredible amount of hard work and that there was a lot of people who really were meticulous that made it, you know, the the people that are good at things always make it look effortless. You know, it always is like, oh, that that person's not trying hard. It's like, no, they are. They're just really good at what they do. And that's what we want to do is kind of pull the curtain back and give props to all these people that basically like made our childhoods uh, and and show the the hard work that they did. And it would have been insincere, I think, if we wouldn't have treated it with reverence. And I think it's funny because Scott and I have talked about this, uh, you know, just as friends, is that we came with the crowdfund on November 2016. We premiered it at Doc NYC 2018. And now in November 2020 is whenever it's come out, which is kind of interesting. But I think that it, it's it's a good thing to have at the end of a very, very challenging year for everybody. Yeah. And I think that hopefully we've done justice and, you know, done a service to all of these wonderful people that shaped all of our child, our childhoods. And then in addition to that, I think that it's going to help you know, even if it's for a couple of hours to, you know, if, if we can put some smiles on faces and if we can also get people interested in some, some amazing content that maybe they didn't know about before, right? Because now it's almost like watching Star Wars, you know, like when you see your kids getting into Star Wars, you know, like I remember going to see Force Awakens with my brother and his, and his daughter and everybody. And, you know, Natalie, the niece is like, Oh, I love BBA. I love Kylo Ren. I love Ray. 
I really liked that one little silver and blue droid too. He was cute. And we were like, what? Did you just say R2? Wait a minute. Are, are you talking about R2D2? And she's like, I, I guess. And so it's like, <laughs> oh, we have to show you that, yeah. right? We have to introduce you to that. And so I think that it's a perfect time for that, right? Because we've all grown up now and we're at the point where we yeah. can hand that down to a different generation. I'm not going to ask if you were able to figure out why it triggers such nostalgia and fond feelings in us, because I think that's probably what the movie's going to answer. What I would like to know is, did y'all during this, I mean, God, it's been a four year process for y'all. Did y'all face doubts or worries that you would not be able to answer that question in the filmmaking experience? I mean, I didn't. I thought that it was, I mean, from the moment we got going, it always felt like every interview we learned something new, you know, but from the very beginning, you know, Mark Summers is one of the first people that we interviewed, you know, and Mark Summers, if you're an eighties kid, he was like, right up there with Hulk Hogan, Mr. T and like Pee Wee Herman. He was like Mr. 80s. And, uh, you know, from from hearing him talk about what it was like, we're like, okay, yeah, this is awesome. Everybody would, Jerry Laybourne, that name always, when they would talk about her, their eyes would, you know, light up and they would perk up and they love talking about her. So we kind of knew, and we did a fair amount of research beforehand. You know, we did as much you know, you can, you can research as much, but it's not the same as getting it straight from the horse's mouth, you know? So we, we kind of knew, I guess, what story we wanted to tell. And we were just grateful that the interviewees were backing that up and not only backing it up, but like adding to it. Yeah. And I think that to, to kind of echo what Scott's saying, we did a lot of research ahead of time, not only just about Nickelodeon, but studying different documentaries. Like we went to Galveston and we just watched tons of documentaries like hey we know that we like this style we were filmmakers right that have love a lot of other great love great filmmakers and so you know sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel right you can learn from a lot of really wonderful filmmakers and and additionally the people that we were around while we were talking to while we were talking to them they were offering us advice as well you know like they're like oh hey if have you talked to so and so because if you haven't talked to so-and-so, you really should do that. And so yeah. they would just give the information and it became a snowball effect, right? Uh, and we also additionally, I remember like Steve Slavkin, you know, who was the creator of Salute Your Shorts. He was talking, I think, to Mark Summers whenever, because we were doing a lot of back-to-back shoots. And, and I remember one of them talking to each other and I heard offhand, they were like, oh, yeah, 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 this this is sell like this will sell this will this is a good idea and so like by hearing those little like affirmations really kind of let us know okay you know we're we're not just a Hansel and, and Derek Zoolander just right, smacking against right. a you know a computer right yeah. you know with no clue what we were doing but we benefited a lot from a you know very very smart and very talented people so i mean it's a good question brian i i don't think that we had any doubt there were definitely times I think where we were trying to figure out how we wanted to tell the story. Yeah. Right. And that was a lot of it at the beginning was about figuring out what was the framework of the film. And uh, I think that Scott talked about at the beginning is whenever we clued into Geraldine and her background and the influence that she had on it, that was like, okay, we've got, you know what I mean? Like we've got our hero right? Like they're all heroes, but we have like the person behind it. We have the George Lucas. It it was like, how do we tell the story of Nickelodeon and then also kind of tell the stories of these shows? How do we balance that? That was one of our biggest struggles. And then, you know, this is a documentary that is, you know, it's, it's mainly talking about the past. How do you keep that lively? How do you, 
keep that uh, energetic, you know, when you're not filming people, you know, doing things right now, we're filming interviews of people talking about stuff from a long time ago. And we had a great team of people to help us do that. You know, uh, Darren Beck, the guy that did our soundtrack, it's awesome. Like I would listen to the soundtrack just on vinyl. Like it, he did such a great job. And then, you know, we had a very talented animator, this guy, Jeff Johnson. When people would tell these stories of like what was going on behind the scenes, you know, we don't have any B-roll to support that. No one was back there filming them, you know? So he brought those stories to life with animation. So we have about three or four animated segments. And Jeff has a style that really seems like a Spumco, like early Nicktoons kind of style. That's just naturally his style. And so we had some really talented people that helped. That was one thing we were worried about. How do we, how do we keep this lively when it's just people talking about the past? But we were fortunate to work with some amazing people that, that helped us keep it lively and bring some life to it. So I haven't been keeping count, but it's somewhere in the tens, I think, at this point. Star Wars references. Oh, yeah. There have been so many Star Wars references. And it's amazing. So, and I think this is something that we need to start doing. Um, how many how many interviews have we done? Well, I know, Brian, you've done a few more than all three of us together. But uh, we had Meg on here in the past, and she did an interview for us. You got to rank them while you're on the show. You got to rank. Oh, my God. And we'll just stick to movies. Yeah. We'll just stick to movies. Rank your rank your movies for me. Dude, it's like Solo and Rogue One count, or is it just the Solo chapter? never counts. Solo never counts. Well, I think hold on, Scott hold on, likes Trey, before... Solo a little bit. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Solo, hold on. You, before Scott, they, you like Solo, right? Sorry, Brian, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was going to say, but, okay, before we get into like the actual listing of, of the, the Star Wars films, can you tell us your favorite pilot of the Millennium Falcon who is not Han Solo, Chewie, or Rey? Irvin. What's what's that? Uh, what's first, the first, first, first. <laughs> So it's 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 an inside joke. Uh, on one of the episodes, like the very early episodes. Granted, we we, we usually drink a lot when we do these. Um, nice. And, uh, oh, I wish you told me. I could not. Uh, I could not pronounce his name, and I said it right eventually. And they think that I went back and just like cut it to to make it seem to where like, I, I did. Oh, it. you said it's gotta be. I mean, like I. I mean, like I. I love Lando. I mean, although I like Nino. We like, all do. It, he just can't pronounce it. Is it so Nino you're trolling Nino, okay. right? Like, like he's the co-pilot. No, right? it was it was a Lando question. Yeah, he just wanted no. me to. to Irvin say corrected Lando. his mispronunciation of Lando Calrissian in, in he, post. That's he just wanted me to say that. Got it. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Okay. Trey, back to you. All right, rank them, <laughs> rank them, guys. Scott, you want to go first, man? Yeah. Uh, so start at the bottom or start at the end. And, and again, is this just the chapter movies or do the other ones like have fun, count with, them. It. Uh, have fun with it? All of it. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. number but not one animated, is, not animated. That's the one thing. We yeah, because that gets way that. off the deep end. The, the number one is very easy. I mean, this is one everyone should know, and that is uh, Battle for Endor, the Ewoks movie. Thank you. There yes, you go. You. Yes. I mean, that's there a, a no-brainer. And if you yeah. disagree, art is subjective, but you're wrong. You know, <laughs> no, no, because, you, that, that, because, that's objectively the best one. Because, yeah. because of I mean, Teak. Teak is the greatest Star Wars character ever. And the fact that they haven't used him is ridiculous. He was only in that movie. And then if you would go to do Star Tours at Disney World back in the day, he was in the instructional video of like teaching you how to put your seatbelt yeah. on. And then they just did away with him. It's like, this is the cool, remember he hung out with Wilford Brimley yep. and Wilford Brimley was a total jerk to him. He took him for granted. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, because it's he, true. he left him. Yeah. Sorry, well, he got diabetes. 
That's how it works. <laughs> by the way, Teak, and we'll say this, okay? Like, by the way, Wilford Brimley is the only character to ever drop the F-bomb in a Star Wars mm-hmm. movie as well. So, and Teak, a little thing about Teak that you're going to want to know, right? People don't know what a Yoda is, right? Teak, this is how much character backstory they created with him, is that he is uh, a species known as Teak, and he is actually from the planet Teak. So, and then his name is also Teak. Teak. So they give a lot of thought to it. Is what trying <laughs> yeah, to say. It, yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so Teak, they did you dirty, boy. Um, we, uh, <laughs> if we, we've always said, like Scott and I've said, if we ever somehow like are, trick anyone in Lucasfilm to let us make anything from them, we're gonna have Teak in there. And yeah, like a Mandalorian episode, they need to have Teak on there. Like Disney, you know you've been I mean? warned. Dude, yeah, yeah, you've been warned. Like, you know, yeah. like if you ever see like Scott Barber or like Adam Sweeney, now you're going to be like, oh my God, it's going to be yeah, like yeah, all yeah. Teague. It's just all Teague. <laughs> yeah, so you have the spoilers ahead of everybody. Are you still, are you writing them down? Are you ranking them right now, Scott? Yeah, I just had to do it. Okay, so okay. I'll start, I'll start from the bottom. The last one, The Last Jedi. After that, Rise of Skywalker. Then after that, Attack of Clones. After that, Phantom Menace. After that, The Force Awakens. After that, Solo. Revenge of the Sith. Rogue One. Return of the Jedi. A New Hope. Empire Strikes Back. And then... Obviously Empire... Or uh, uh, Holiday Special. And then the Holiday Special, yeah. And then Battle for Endor is number one, of course. Number one. Battle... battle, Yeah, Battle for Endor, because Teak. Yeah. Teak. Um... I would say, okay, I, I'm not going to write them down, so I'm going to try to remember remember them all. Last Jedi, bottom. No doubt, bottom. Uh, hate The Last Jedi so much. And and we have good reasons. It's not just because we don't like, you know, because people are like, oh, you do not like it because <clears throat> Luke is not the wonderful wizard you thought he was no. going to be. No, not true I love seeing. I love seeing Luke take down a peg. That's awesome. Yeah, that's fine. The fact is, is that the movie's not subversive at all. The movie feels like the equivalent of if you tried to put Looney Tunes in the middle of the Godfather saga, okay? Like, it, it just, it doesn't work, right? So, and we can argue, I know, till the cows come home. I'll move no, on. No, 100% agree. You, you, your thesis is 100% correct. Irvin's a moron for thinking to the contrary. You're okay Irvin. to like it, though, right? Like, and, oh, hey, whoa, 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 Landon. Oops, that was, that was to Brian. That wasn't to you. That was to Brian. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. David the Gnome did the same to us. So we've, we've heard it from worse. So, um, next, Attack of the Clones. Uh, just a, a poor film all, all around. I don't have to give commentary about them. I'll just say them really quickly. Yeah. Then probably Rise of the Skywalker. Then Phantom Menace and Solo and Rogue One are all the same to me. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think Rogue One's a really bad heist film. Uh, Solo, I thought they did the best that they could. I might move that up a little bit more, to be honest. Uh, just because it was okay have for to. what it was. You don't have to. Like I know, I know. <laughs> but, you can just leave it down there. It's fine. It, though. What's that? It's got more Amelia Clark in it than Rogue One. Than everything else? It does. And they did Donnie Yen wrong. Like, you gotta have him mm-hmm. in an action scene. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna have Donnie Yen in Rogue One, you gotta, you gotta have him do, uh, it's, it's like the same thing as have the Raid Redemption guys in The Force Awakens. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right? Like, yeah. they just, why do you have them there? If they're not going to fight. Um, then from there, I would go and say The, For- the Force Awakens and Return of the Jedi are similar. I put them on the same tier. 
Force Awakens, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith. I think they all are really great in their own way, right? They all are missing something in their own way. Then I would say A New Hope. Then I would say Empire Strikes Back as the second. And then the first one, Battle for Endor. Battle for Endor, starring Teak. Teak. You know, The Last Jedi, it gets a lot of hate, but it did have Station from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in it. It did. As those turtle nuns, and that's pretty cool. Do y'all remember that? Whenever he came back, the turtle nuns, and they were there because... Yeah, because Jedi don't know how to don't know how to clean their own beds for some reason. <laughs> and then he said, "Station." <laughs> that was a deleted scene. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> I'm not. Well, you know, I, I got to preface mine too. I, I'm not a big Star Wars aficionado. Like I do the best that I can. And I've seen them, but like there's people that can probably judge. Like Adam knows a lot more than I do. I I just did the best I could. So thanks, guys. What about okay. y'all? So oh, solo last okay prequels bottom tier Mm -hmm. um newest sequel middle tier okay empire number one uh a new hope the kind of pretty pretty similar to a lot of folks i did like rogue one though and i and uh, what i did and this was i think right at the start of corona team i uh jumped on disney plus and watch them in chronological order okay with the rogue one okay. right before a new hope so you know true chronological order and being able to see that's cool. that vader scene because that that makes rogue one for me right the there. where vader is actually cool and can move you know that's that's what gets me going right for for that for that movie like really the rest of it, like you said, it's kind of a heist movie, and and that's fine. Like it, it is what it is. It is just a Star Wars story. They did a better job than they did with Solo, but yeah, the movement from Rogue One right into A New Hope, with that little that little scene in there, just it puts a new perspective on it for me. Like rewatching it again for the first time in, in a very long time. Yeah, and I lo- that was that was cool. I love the fact that yeah, I for somehow I forgot that, but yeah, that scene is amazing. And then leading right into a new hope, right? Like you can like it pretty much tells you a book ends it, which is awesome because you're like, okay, yeah. There's on on uh, I think it's on YouTube. If you look it up, it actually they did a really really good job. Somebody took and spliced it, yeah. So you don't actually have to, cool. You know, okay, credits start and then you know jump right in it's like it's just a continuous you know thing for basically the the start of vader's scene in uh rogue one into the first couple of scenes of of a new it's not jarring to see him go from like doing kung fu moves to not really walking slowly it worked (laughs) and bumping into things and yeah i mean no it it worked it worked for me and so like i actually did watch that youtube scene and that's kind of what gave me the idea okay this is the way i'm gonna watch it right but i always took it like like is when you watch a a football team or somebody that plays down to their opponent right or Mm -hmm. they're like filling each other out a little bit you know what i mean like i i feel like you got to keep in mind this this dude lost every single limb to this guy the last time he fought him right like i think also there's something to be said for savoring your victory right? Like he says as much, right? Like he's like, I've been waiting for this for a long time, right? And and yeah. so I think 
yeah, well, I, I understand what you're saying, Brian, right? It's like, okay, like, you know, why doesn't he just decapitate him and be done with it, right? If we're really going that way, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like when you watch, like, The Phantom Menace and you're like, oh, my God, like, they're ballerinas, right? In, in a positive way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, man, this is poetic. And flips right? and all sorts of right. twists. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Scott. But I think, you know, the way that I can kind of reason or, ra- like, rationalize it in my head is that I'm like, he has a lot of reverence. Like, he pays a lot. I mean, he has a ton, of, even though he hates him, right, with every, you know, like, breath in his body. He probably has a lot of respect for him, right? I mean, he yeah. says as much, right? He says, like, whenever I left, like, when we last met, left, or you were the master. Yeah. I was the learner, right? Like, the tables have turned now, you know? And so that's the way I justify it. Although, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It does, you know, I, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, you know what they would have really thrown. What, well, what would have thrown you off is if they would have if they would have done everybody a service and put Teak in there. Yeah, because he's so fast, Teak. he could have run circles around Darth. Either Darth Vader, either the one that's moving slow or the one that's moving fast, Teak could just play. He would just troll him. You know, yeah. he's well, also but, an amazing cook, by the way. If he also he cooks indoor, those pies. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. You don't want to like backload the movie with all the goods. Like you don't want to put the best part of the movie at the very end. Right. 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 Yeah. Exactly. You know, and I feel like that's kind of like what they did in Battle for Endor is that like they just had so much teak in that that they were just like, listen, it's not worth it. Not worth. Never going to recreate this. We're never going to never. No. We were. We hit the top. We're never going to do better. Yeah. Let's 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 circle back to y'all's film. Okay, <laughs> we've had we've I had mean, a, we've had a, 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 a venture into the well, desert. Of, I, 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 well, you can't you can't we, not like mention Star Wars that many times and then just not talk about it. Exactly, like, yeah. Elephant uh, in the room, man. Trey, I as much as everyone else wanted to avoid bringing up Irvin's shameful mispronunciation <laughs> of Lando Calrissian, but I, I anyway, uh, okay. Back back to y'all's film. If y'all could go back in time four years. Knowing what you know now, not just the filmmaking process, but the interviewing process, what would you do differently? What would you have wow. changed? He okay. has those every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know for me, like I would, um, man, that's a tough one because I mean, it was such a fun process. Like I, if I changed anything, it, it could have changed everything. You know, I, I mean, I would have said stress out less. You know, we, we didn't really stress out to begin with, but like when you're interviewing people, just they're just people, you know, be cool. Like even if you uh, grew up watching them. But yeah, I, I really don't know because it was so fun. I would say just prepare yourself for how much time this is going to take. You know, like Adam mentioned, you know, the whole reason we wanted to do this is because we wanted to do it for ourselves, you know, and, and by doing it ourselves, we had a great team behind us for sure, you know, but we were involved every step of the way from storyboarding, filming, editing, all the people that we brought on were people that we found and we liked what they were doing and we were working with. So we, and we had a great time doing that, but there's a lot of hurry up and wait, you know, you get going and then you feel like what's the next step. And, and it just takes a long, long, long time. And we had made little projects before, like Adam mentioned, you know, we had made these short little documentaries. So the filming, the editing, the interviewing, all that seemed natural to us, you know, and really fun. But it's all the other stuff that we had never done before, you know, like selling a film and 
through submitting to festivals and all that stuff that we never, that for me personally, I would say just understand that that's going to take a little bit of time. There's, and there's no way around it. It's, it's almost like it's for me. And this is only for like what, what I experienced on this film is it's almost like it's divided into thirds, filming it, editing it, and then finding the right, not just a home, but the right home for it. It's going to take equal amounts of time. And that's really all the things that, that I personally had never done before. I, because I'd never done them. <laughs> I didn't know how long they would take. So I know that's a long winded way of saying it, but that's what I would say is like, just chill. You know, the film's going to get out there and it's going to be fun, but Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, just chill. Take your time. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with what Scott said. It's like Guns N' Roses said, all you need is a little patience. And <laughs> I think that that is so important because when you have a vision for what you want something to become and you're so excited about it being released, it's, it can be challenging when you hit these little hiccups that aren't anybody's fault, right? So I, I would say again, like just trust the process. Everything's gonna be okay and work out, right? It's easy, especially whenever you're, like Scott said, your hands are involved in so much to want to ensure that everything's gonna be okay. And in reality, uh, everything turned out even better than we could have possibly expected. So we were lucky, right? Because Scott is a super positive person. Everybody on our team is super positive and everybody was willing to help each other out. And in the long run, it's going to be, everything's going to be cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, but, you know, inevitably there's a lot of stress involved, right? Especially whenever you're like full-time creators working full-time jobs and, you know, handling like working with families and things like that. And, you know, it takes a lot. And, there are moments whenever you're just naturally burnt out as a human being, not on the mm -hmm. project at all, but just naturally tired. I mean, I'm sure you guys get tired sometimes whenever you're editing podcasts or whenever you're scheduling who's going to be in, you know? The truth is, is that it always works out. Like in the end, it always works out. And, you know, you're going to learn along the way as well. You know, the first podcast that y'all did, I'm sure like as y'all continue to go, you're like, man, this is so much better this one than in the past, right? Why don't you ask Irvin where Irvin. our first podcast is? Irvin, what was what was that like? So first of all, I would hours. like to start. I would six I would, hours. I would, I would like to start by saying that it yes, it is very very stressful, and you do get burned out when you know when you're managing the uh, the social media, when you're editing, yeah. when you're cutting certain things. These guys will will tell you all about that, right, guys? Because y'all do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. just pretty faces yeah. and, and good voices. One good voice. <laughs> I did lose. I did lose the uh, the six hours of content that we had originally created, like a year over a year ago at this point. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know that if you click record, that it records. So I didn't click that button. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and so I didn't. Uh, Rookie record. Was, <laughs> yeah. In in his defense, though, it was probably incomprehensible garbage oh yeah <laughs> that's right that's our entire podcast there's <laughs> no true. comprehensible <laughs> garbage yeah, yeah. There, i mean we were we were just shit-faced just yeah just sitting around my uh my dining room table just like oh my god let's talk about movies guys <laughs> one let's talk about movies let me describe the giver the giver's a movie with mark oh Hamill that's right it. dude i remember the giver when he's turning yeah. like a cockroach 
Do you remember, Adam, do you remember I I posted that on my social media and said, I have some leaked footage of The Force Awakens and posted that and people (laughs) were like, what? (laughs) Screw you, dude. That's not the new one because I think it tricked some people and they got mad. (laughs) It's just full circle. This is perfect. In all all seriousness, though, you know, because I don't want to make it seem like it was all roses, even though it totally was. But if I had to give some some honest advice to anybody that wants to make a, a film. I would say that the only thing I wish that we had done is when we did our crowdfund, we had nothing lined up and our crowdfund was successful, but I would just say maybe, maybe film some of your documentary before uh, you do a crowdfund. So you have some, cause people were like, Hey, I want to donate to you, but I don't know what it's going to look like. Do y'all know how to interview? Do you know how to, cause it was all just footage of me and Adam talking about. So if I just had to like, as a, as a, as a dude that's done this once, which what does that mean? Nothing. But I, I, we did it once. Like I would More just say, zero. that's true. Yeah. Um, I would have said, Hey, Hey, Adam and Scott from 2016, like just film like four or five interviews first and cut something together. Your crowdfund will be more successful and uh, it'll be easier to get people to get on. I just wanted to say something that wasn't just like, Oh, it was amazing. We, I wouldn't change a thing. That's if I had to like get like nerdy, that's the only thing I would, I would have done differently. Yeah. And be okay with taking some time. Right. I mean, yeah. like we went at, we went at breakneck speed True, and, uh, and, and, you know, that isn't always the best thing. I mean, it worked out for us and that says a lot about all the amazing people. It says a lot about the team, but it's okay to plan. Right. I mean, like if you take away the time between the festival a- afterwards, we made the film really in like almost a year which yeah. is not easy to do whenever you really had a team, basically a, t- a team of three traveling. You know what I mean? Like there were literally times where it was like Scott, you know, Scott and I were going into places and it was like, okay, well, all right, yeah. set up the shot. You're going to do the interviews. I'll handle the camera. Right. You know what I mean? And then that's not ideal, right? <laughs> like, um, but we got it done. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like, like there, uh, there's a saying uh, that failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And so I think that what Scott's speaking about and like what I would advise also is get ahead of the game a little bit. Right. And then people will have confidence in you and that'll make it so much easier for you. There's always going to be hidden costs. We thought we'd budgeted it out so well, but there's always going to be more things that you have to spend money on that you didn't see, you know? Cause I mean, that's what we thought. Like, well, if we're doing everything, if we're shooting it and we're editing it, like what else is there? Well, there was a lot. So, yeah huge huge legal battle with david the gnome that was just a yeah he was so people. mad at us i don't <laughs> I know why like, i don't know what got on his physically why. aggressive and litigious too god damn mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's got the money you know what i mean <laughs> i apologize because the whole time i'm just like no, that's 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 exactly our type of humor so it's perfect it, it lines up well, I'm glad that we found somebody that can appreciate it. On a, on a, on, on a real note, was David the gnome uh, Wilford Brimley? No, no. No, it was it somebody was, else. Okay. It was, um, oh, it was the dad from one of those shows. It was uh, Ed Asner? No, it was someone like that, though. I'm, I'm looking okay. it up. I was hoping um, I could have busted out something that's like, oh, we just brought it all full circle, but no. Well, he's he's got us blocked on Instagram, so yeah. that's cool. <laughs> hard to, hard to, well, he hard kept to, sliding to those DMs, man. God yeah, God. well, yeah, well, we got something for him. Like when we release the next one, the, yeah, yeah, all about him, huh? Yeah, the fall of the Noman Empire or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we're mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look. So, okay. So I'm looking really quickly. There was apparently a Spanish Dave of the Gnome. So cultural appropriation on his part. But um, it was Tom Bosley, who was the dad, I think, from Happy Days. So Ah, you were right. Okay. I knew it was one of those fatherly figures from like the 80s. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Who was also who was also in a breach of contract lawsuit, by the way. So uh, yeah, maybe Whoa. not on us this time. Yeah. So I just want to submit that to the courts. And again, that guy's totally cool. It's the actual magical gnome that we're mad at. The voice actors and the animators of that show are all great, wonderful people. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. it's the actual literal magical, like three inch tall gnome uh, that is just man, a piece of work. Gnomes can't be trusted. They no. No. You don't we're, know not, we're not doing an anti-gnome podcast. Let's try and be gnome right, sensitive. Right. Hey, hey, Nat, Nat <laughs> Pod is already an anti-gnome podcast. Hey, <laughs> we already have go. it going. Honestly, uh, I don't know, remember enough about our previous episodes to know whether or not we've taken a gnome or anti-gnome stance. Well, I can tell you if now's the time. If we're if we're drawing battle lines, take a stand. <laughs> yeah. It's now's. You know what I mean? The quote to go back to Star Wars. Right. And also uh, the, the Bible and George W. Bush, uh, you know, George H.W. Bush. Uh, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. You're, you're my enemy. There you go. So the orange years. So, the orange years, yeah. The Nickelodeon documentary. It's a <laughs> full circle. It's a charming look at 80s and 90s Nickelodeon, the origin of the channel. You'll see a lot of people that you watched when you were a little kid. It's awesome. It tells you some stories you didn't know the day before. So check it out. And it debuts right around the corner, November 17th. 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 Yep. You can, right now, uh, depending on when uh, this podcast drops, you can pre-order it on iTunes. Uh, It it will also be available on Amazon to rent on November 17th, as well as you can buy the DVD, Blu-ray. You can also go to Target.com if that's your bag. And you will get the DVD and Blu-ray as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you like physical media, which we do. uh, Or you could double dip and rent it and then say, hey, that's amazing. I think that I want to own this. Do both. Boom. The world's yours. The world's your oyster. Well, awesome, guys. Uh, Brian, Trey, do you guys have any other questions for these Gentlemen. Did we get to the audience questions already? Though were the, they were already peppered in. They were peppered. They were, in. They were peppered in. Oh, okay. There was a lot that we that it's you gotta you gotta go check it out. No spoilers. So there, all the questions, oh, most of the questions yeah. that I got from from our fan base or you know from listeners was things that are really at the top of everybody's mind. Everybody's mind, and it sounds like you guys. Okay, yeah, I want to ask those same questions. I want to know what this is made out of. I want to know, you know, what the what the thought is. And and like I said, these questions got off the rails really quick. Yeah. And so I just kind of boiled it down to, you know, what's in the powder, what's in the slime. Well, yes. Well, Scott, I think he's saying I think he's saying that the questions on the on the oh, so that's not on us. That's not on us. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was going to take responsibility for our our own selves. Yeah. The (laughs) questions were already off the rails. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That they. Okay, that is way boiled down from the conversation that I had yeah. with these folks. And it was like, I'm not, I'm not asking them that. Nope, nope, I, nope. Well, cause, yeah. Cause I was going to say like, we wouldn't understand it all going off the rails, like on a, po- a podcast, like at all. So why would we, we always are just super chill dudes that stay on topic all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, I mean, 
we may if if y'all are cool with it you know we obviously want to follow follow y'all and take a, a and take a, a look at what everyone's asking there may be some questions that we are able to answer yeah uh, absolutely through, which would be a lot of fun absolutely we can get those i guess once this episode drops we can get there we can get that up there as far as cool. hey comment with some questions and stuff like that and we'll get those yeah. over to you guys and and answer them at a later date do an ama or something like that that'd be amazing um just you already know like like there's one topic like you know like that we're just we avoid watched. the gnomes just avoid the gnomes <laughs> no that's gnomes. the only thing we no asked <laughs> You'd be surprised how many podcasts, as soon as we get on, we're like, hey, Scott and Adam, what's up with the gnomes? We're like, dude, we, we said one thing. Base. Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. goes our gnome base. There it's goes gone. Our gnome base. Oh, yeah. it's a big, it's a big, I, I know it's well, a they're big not, they're, not, they're small, but. <laughs> yeah, it's a small, but they're, but they're fanatic. You know what I mean? They're like small, they're but mean. They're loyal and they're angry. Yeah. They, are they're, so they are angry. angry. <laughs> I think I'll be honest. Like, I think that's why I, I don't want to cast aspersions, but you did mention there's a lot of drink going on in this podcast. Their, their noses and their cheeks are a little Very red. red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to drinking on the job while making a kid show is not cool. Yeah. So you do the math. So gnomes are not all alcoholics. I mean, <laughs> no, uh, not y'all. No. Oh. Just no, yeah, yeah. the gnomes. Just David the gnomes. No, I know gnomes are just, alcoholics. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Not us I at all. Not us at all. Be able to segue yeah. this. <laughs> so going back really quickly, I know that uh, we we need to get back on on the track and uh, and uh, we. I apologize personally, but yeah, like the Orange Years seriously was amazing to make. We love the fact that y'all are like from Houston, which is really amazing. I can say that this is the first time that I've ever cried from laughter on a podcast so thank y'all for giving us that space but you know all all jokes aside like the the process was was amazing uh we feel really lucky to do it and i think that you know uh, and, and handing this off to scott to let him talk about it a little bit i i think that if there's one thing that i learned it's that if you have an idea and if you are passionate about it you do enough homework and you're ambitious enough and you get a lot of luck right and kindness from strangers that you can do whatever you set your heart to and so i hope that it's encouraging to other creators out there right now because there are a lot of stories that are great stories that should be told and in a lot of different mediums so even this podcast for example right y'all are doing awesome and you're going to continue to grow and so i hope that we you know in inspire people the way that millions of other people have inspired us yeah yeah, it was. It was a great process. We're, this, I think this is a really fun story. I think it's a real cool story. I think it's a real important story. And Adam and I are super honored to have been the ones to get to kind of help get this story out there. I hope people like it. And like you said, you know, this 2020 has been such a crap year. I hope that it, it, it brings some light. And I hope that people listen to this podcast and go, man, if, 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 if those dudes can make a movie, I can make a movie and then do it because uh, it was a really fun experience. Is there something on the horizon now that this is about to drop? What what projects are you guys working on? Is you know is there anything you want to plug outside of the movie that's coming out? That's another thing. You know, we mentioned earlier about how take your time. You know, and now this getting it out there is is part of the job too. You know, so doing podcasts and getting out there is really important to us. So right now, I'm just kind of focused on really making this as big a success as as we can and getting the word out for the orange ears and. Uh, 
seeing how many people can check it out. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, Scott and I both are working on just different projects, right? As writers, as, as, you know, filmmakers and, but right now it's all hands on deck to make sure that we honor the story and that we honor all of these amazing, uh, creators and storytellers before us. So uh, if anything, we appreciate what y'all are doing because having your hands in social media, having your hands in the marketing and the editing and everything, it's not easy to do. And so that's right now the horizon really is just the celebration and that's going to continue for a while. So, you know, we feel really grateful to get to tell a story and we feel honored that we get to be on here also. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you guys for coming. We, we definitely appreciate it. It's been an awesomely amazing time <laughs> through the lives, through oh. all of it, through all of it. It's been great. Just learning some stuff too along the way. Nice. Oh yeah. It was our pleasure. This is a blast. This is, this is really cool. Awesome guys. Ryan, you got right. anything else? Yep. Right. Oh we yeah. I forgot. I forgot he's, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot he's here. Guys. Thank you so much for coming on. Y'all are great. I can't wait to watch it. I can't wait for Urban to procure some producer copies. And honestly, this is just so. This has been so much fun. You guys are you guys are awesome. Let's get a beer sometime. Sounds like a plan to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And- Sounds good. So we'll make sure and do that. Thank y'all for taking the time tonight. I know that I know that we talked for a long time, and uh, <laughs> and I uh, appreciate y'all's patience. But uh, if y'all, y'all need anything awesome. else, just let us know. Y'all are great. Awesome. Guys, Thanks, guys. Great to meet y'all. Thanks, guys. Really yeah, appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Good night. Bye. Cheers.